today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Mick Jagger, the Rolling Stones, iconic. Well, many people still consider them the best rock and roll band of all time. Uh, if not, they're certainly up there in, in the top two or three. And one of the main reasons for that uh, was Charlie Watts, an incredible drummer uh, who passed away yesterday at age 80. Uh, Jason Matheson has the details. They're paying tribute in pictures. Rolling Stones frontman Mick Jagger taking to social media, posting a photo of a smiling Charlie Watts sitting in one of his favorite places behind his drum kit. No caption with the photo. Stones guitarist Keith Richards also not writing anything, posting a picture of a drum kit with a closed sign hanging on it. And Stones guitarist Ronnie Wood changed the main page of his website to a picture of him and Watts sitting back to back, smiling. Charlie Watts died in a London hospital Tuesday. He was 80 years old. Jason Athenson, ABC News, Hollywood. Uh, what an incredible career. Uh, what an incredible talent. Joining us to talk about all of this is our good friend Lou Molinaro. Lou, of course, is a member of the Hamilton Music Advisory Team, instructor at the Harris Institute for Music, and uh, for music aficionados in the Hamilton area, of course, uh, the former owner of uh, This Ain't Hollywood, one of the great live music venues in the history of uh, rock and roll music. Lou, good to talk to you again, my friend. How are you doing these days? I'm doing well. Great to talk to you. Before we begin, I just want to say I uh, loved your interview with Gary Chalk last week. Yeah, uh, well, he mentioned you. Of course, I said you were listening to this. I was, I was, I'm glad he brought that up because, I mean, you guys, you know, we're talking about rock and roll and the history of rock and roll. Uh, and just like any other movement, Lou, it's only as good as it is at the grassroots level. And you guys, you kept it alive and you, you helped it to flourish around here. And, and without the, your work and the kind of stuff that you and Gary did, uh, I don't know where, if we'd be where we are right now. I would have never booked a show had it not been for the Garys. I, you know, I, I still think to this, to this day, those guys are rock stars. I, I was just so impressed, and I, I, I can't say enough about the Garys. They're hugely important. Well, as you have been to the Hamilton music scene, and, and you know, we can talk about that, uh, you know, because the impact that you've had here and, of course, the, the number of acts you brought in and the number of acts that you actually give exposure to, too. And, I mean, you know, we've, we've talked about the brilliant music scene here in Hamilton. I, I always remember, I know we're going to get into Charlie Watson in a second here, uh, the, the, the interview that uh, George Stephanopoulos, or George uh, did, uh, I guess, a couple of years ago now, Strombolopoulos, uh, not Stephanopoulos. I got my politicians and my uh, entertainers mixed up. But Strombo was interviewing Gordon. Downey, the late Gord Downey on that. Remember the show that George had with the two red chairs and they just sat there? And, yes. they, they, and uh, he was doing rapid fire questions with Gord. And uh, he said, best live music scene in Canada. And Gord just looked at him and he said, Hamilton. And I guess that shocked an awful lot of people, not me, not you, of course, but uh, in the industry, they know that. And they know that there's, there's a, a great music industry here in Hamilton. And you were part of it and still are part of that. It's been uh, a delight being part of the um, you know the tradition and uh, contributing to this chapter of uh, music in Hamilton has just been incredible. Let's, let's talk about Charlie Watt and, and the, the incredible contribution this guy made. Uh, such an I, I never met the man obviously, but you're listening to some of the tributes and some of the the, the accolades and some of the the stories I guess that we've heard over the last 24 hours uh, from the Paul McCartneys and Ringo and, and so many other people. Uh, a quiet, unassuming guy, uh, which is very, I guess, atypical. Do you think of a rock and roll band, especially a band like the Rolling Stones, which are very flamboyant and out there? You know, he was kind of like, I always picture the Rolling Stones as a law firm, and you have your crazy lawyers like Tiger <laughs> and Richard, and then you have your sit-at-home lawyer like Charlie Watts that keeps it all together and brings a lot of esteem to the uh, to the firm. He was a guy that really, like, you know, when you think about coolness, how many people could really 
work as long as Charlie did with people like Keith and Mick. It really takes a certain quality of a person uh, to provide that longevity. And just the fact that he was such a cool guy is the reason why the Stones really uh, lasted as long as they have so far. Well, I guess he had his moments. I guess we've all heard that story. I know you have uh, about, uh, I guess, one time, well, let's face it, Mick and Keith used to over-invibe in an awful lot of things. And I guess at one point, uh, Mick was in a hotel room being rather loud and said, where's my drummer? And uh, apparently it got back to Charlie, and he uh, he got dressed uh, from his hotel room, went and knocked on Mick's door and punched him in the face and said, I'm not your drummer, you're my singer. And he left, and that was it. So there, there was an ego there, but he shook and he kept it in check, didn't he? Absolutely. The funny thing about that story is he got uh, dressed because Charlie was always stylish, shaved, and even shined his shoes before he went to play <laughs> Nick. <laughs> so, yeah, it's great. He, here's the thing about this. You know, you talk about the, you know, the, the British invasion and, and these, these guys and such you know, humble beginnings with, with the Beatles and the Stones and, and so many of these early rock and roll bands. Uh, he was not the original drummer of the Rolling Stones. They, they, I guess, went back with fourth and two or three guys. But he, he was into jazz. He wasn't really into rock and roll, was he? He, was, uh, he, he definitely was a big jazz fan. When he was a little kid, uh, he used to collect 78s. And uh, he was actually uh, part of a jazz ensemble where he was getting paid pretty well. And the reason why he said no to the Stones was because they couldn't afford to uh, hire Charlie. And then eventually, I guess, he just kind of caved in and said, sure, I'll be your drummer. And lo and behold... The rest is history. But, um, you know, Charlie was a really artistic type of person. He, uh, he was nurtured quite a bit from his mother um, in terms of his artistic abilities. He started banging knives and forks on a wooden table when he was a little kid. And then from there, he started drawing. His mother realized that he was very passionate about his art and um, supported and nurtured and made sure that he went to art school. He, um, he published a, a children's book in 1964 about Charlie Parker. So he's always had this really artistic ability, and it's surely, and you can surely see that in his drumming because the uh, the marriage of the rhythm and blues and the jazz, as well as rock and roll, he was outstanding in his own field with the the rest of the contemporaries. And I mean, there were some heavy hitters back then too, like Ringo Starr and Keith Moon, um, John Bonham. I mean, the- John Bonham as well. But it was Charlie that really opened up the door and just introduced a new style of rock and roll drumming and. Still to this day, it's so iconic when you hear the beginning of Honky Tonk Woman, when you hear the beginning of Get Off My Cloud. There's, it's a signature style, and that signature style really gave the uh, Stones that unique sound that uh, will always be uh, remembered and recognized. Look, I, I can ask you, you mentioned about you know, his, his, his classical training in his beginning, and of course, in Jay's and, and uh, uh, the artist and that, that mindset. Uh, can you transition from one genre to another, or is a drummer a drummer? And you, okay, I'm the drummer. I can, I, I'll play rock and roll. I'll play jazz. I'll play country. Doesn't much matter. Well, you know, I I've seen all sorts of drummers just by uh, attending shows and booking shows, and there, there, there's the versatile drummer that can really adapt to any style, and then you have drummers that really just kind of grow up listening to a certain style of drumming and become very technically strong, and that's all they can do. With a lot of heavy metal drummers, for example, I don't think they could really transition into playing, um, you know, other styles or other genres of music. Uh, maybe they can, but I'm just thinking, for the most part, uh, they're they're just not as open-minded with regards to uh, cross-genre, uh, cross-genre of music. Uh, but Charlie Watts was able to do that. Like, uh, you know, he wasn't really a high-finesse drummer. You never really heard a lot of fills other than maybe songs like Gimme Shelter, but he was kind of a stay-at-home, backbone kind of uh, drummer that uh, provided uh, this uh, canvas for Keith and Nick to do their thing. 
I want to talk to you about that and about the role of, of a drummer in a, in a rock and roll band like this, uh, like the Stones. And uh, and you, you talked about some of his contemporaries, Ringo's and, and some of the other folks like this. Uh, two things about Charlie that always struck, first of all, his talents. But second of all, he was so effortless. Uh, I mean, you know, you look at guys like Bonham and Keith Moon. I mean, Keith Moon was just out there, you know. Uh, Charlie looked like he's just, you know, he he, he could have just as easily been reading a book as playing the drums during a concert. Uh, you know, he he did he wasn't flamboyant. He wasn't jumping up and down. He just he seemed to be in his own world, separate and apart from what was going on. But uh, the drummer, as a, and I know a lot of drummers, they they set the tone. I mean, they're they're the anchor for what's going to be for the live performances anyway. Absolutely. Um, and the thing about Charlie Watts is, is that I think he's kind of like the Johnny Bauer of the Stones, you know, like he's <laughs> the one that kind of kept it together. He was the one that, you know, really, as you mentioned, uh, setting the pace and the tone for the shows. But um, the thing about Charlie, what I always loved is just seeing him smile when he saw his uh, bandmates doing what they do when Keith and Nick yeah. are being so flamboyant and just seeing those little chuckles on uh, Charlie. I really feel that Charlie just took his role as a Rolling Stone as a job and not so much as an attitude or as being part of showbiz. And I think that's one thing that I always uh, admired about Charlie Watts was how professional he was that way, where he stood by his partner, um, surely forever uh, since the, the day he passed away. And he wasn't really one of those guys that was uh, notoriously known or being seen by paparazzi or, you know, like Keith and Mick were. He was just a, um, a family man. He stayed home a lot with his uh, partner. And he always had a struggle whether he could should go touring or not because, you know, I, I, again, I don't think he, his ego just fed into the fact that he was a rock star. He was actually one of these anti-rock stars. I mean, not, I, I think he mentioned this in a recent interview he did uh, with one of the, I think it was a Denver newspaper, actually. Uh, and he said, I, I don't even know what this, you know, show business stuff is. I just, I perform and I do my thing and that's my job. And then he goes home, you know, and you're right. You didn't see him clubbing, uh, you know, and there was some crazy things going on with rock and roll. I mean, that's, you know, the old thing. And Joe Walsh is a great song about, you know, life is different. You know, and he, he wasn't that guy. He was just, you know, this is my job and this is what I do for a living. And I play with some, some pretty cool guys that are a little weird from time to time. Uh, but then I go back into my own life and my own family. I think, you know, Charlie was waiting for the drunken phone call from Mick Jagger so he could go down to his hotel room and give him another swat in the face and say, I'm your drummer, or you're, you're my singer, right? Let me ask you something about technology. Everybody wants to be a drummer. I mean, you know, I just played Painted Black and Satisfaction before. Yeah. And I mean, let's face it, you're drumming, I'm drumming, you know, whether it's with pencils, we're doing it on the desk. I'm a great air drummer, by the way. So uh, and, yeah, and how does the drummer decide how to approach a song i mean you know when when mick and and and, and keith write a song or lennon mccartney or whoever it is uh they're writing the chords they're giving the lyrics they're doing the music for it uh how does the drummer fit into that do they do their interpretation is there how, how did they decide what this the drumming and what the, the that part of it is going to sound like or is that up to the, to the drummer themselves well you know i think that's what separates uh, Charlie Watts from a, a lot of drummers. There's a, a lot of uh, drummers just seem to have a, a certain beat, and they kind of continue with that uh, with that measure throughout a song. Where I think Charlie went a little deeper into the song, kind of figured out what the song was all about, and being so close as a unit as the Stones were, he was able really to kind of um, almost put a rhythmic melody to uh, a lot of the Rolling Stones songs. Where I think you know the reason why they're such iconic songs is is because of the tempo. I, I don't think yeah. songs like Moonlight Mile would be a, a beautiful piece of music had it been sped up. And I just really feel that it's uh, the drumming. And there's certain times where um, 
certain songs, a lot of songs actually, in certain parts that Charlie just kind of builds up and then drops out and builds up again. They're like these mini rhythmic crescendos. They're beautiful, and he's he's the best at it. And, and again, you're right. I mean, the, you know, the, you can do the up-tempo stuff. Hockey Talk Woman, of course, was great. The Cowbell. Uh, I, I love Painted Black, one of my favorite songs. And, and his driving drum in that song, I mean, makes that song. It's just, it's just there, and, and that's the thing. But he got also, as you say, you know, he can go into a different gear. Gimme Shelter, he was sensational on. I mean, you know, Sympathy for the Devil. I mean, it's just, you know, okay, what you need from me, this is what I'm going to give you. And I think the, the 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 confidence that Keith and Mick had in Charlie to be able to interpret their songs and to put that rhythmic pattern down and give them that foundation for the song to build on, that must have been so incredibly enlightening for um, Keith and Mick to know that they had uh, Charlie as the captain. And, you know, Keith often had said, like, you know, Charlie's the Rolling Stones. And uh, I remember reading an interview years ago from Mick Jagger, and Mick was saying, you know, we back up Charlie. <laughs> Interesting perspective, and I, you know, you know, there's there's an argument to be made for that uh, because you know that they are a Hamilton I, connection to uh, go, Charlie Watts. Go, go ahead, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Charlie Watts and Frankie Venom share the same birthday, June second. Different, oh yeah, of course, yeah. So there you go. Wow, I know. Uh, what are, June second will definitely be a rock and roll birthday. Uh, to you know, there will be a lot of celebrating that day. Oh, I know, I know. Well, are you still bumping into Gord Lewis and the, the rest of the guys in the band from time to time? I, sh- I, I saw Gordy um, about a week and a half ago. Yeah, I Good. was in contact with Gord quite a bit. I was talking to Steve Mann about two weeks ago. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're we're talking about time. Teenage Head, of course, and Frankie was yeah. the, the lead on that incredible band. And uh, I, I, really a pioneer band. that were probably you know underrated at the time. And I think in hindsight we understand just what a huge contribution they made uh, to music There's, and... and yeah, sorry, I was just going to say, there were so many times that touring acts uh, used to come into the St. Hollywood. We used to have a really iconic big picture of Frankie Venom that said Teenage Head. It was like from a, a single that they released uh, early on in their career. And it was amazing how many international bands that were playing the St. Hollywood that would visit Hamilton would look at this uh, poster and then put two and two together and say, is Teenage Head from Hamilton? Because like, a lot of times people just figured that Teenage Head uh, are a Toronto band. They know that they're a Canadian band, but not often did they realize that uh, Teenage Head was from Hamilton. And then all of a sudden, it just gave the city even more um, validity internationally, just from you know these touring acts that uh, were from different parts of the world coming into Hamilton and seeing this big Teenage Head poster that my business partner, Glenn Hamilton, had. What happens to the Stones now? Well, I you know what? I think uh, they're going to continue with the tour with steve jordan and in my gut i feel that this will probably be the last rolling stones tour without them officially saying it and i feel from here on in you'll probably see solo projects i, I mean you know we've seen that happen in the past you know when brian jones died uh, tragically and uh, and other guys have come in and, and we've seen that you know obviously freddie's not with queen anymore but the band does still tour uh yeah. adam lambert now and, and and they've had a couple of incarnations on that but uh, and you can't just say well they just get another drummer uh this is this is family isn't it it's more than family i think you know these guys are died in the wool and often just by you know the acclamations that keith and uh, mick have given uh, charlie over the years about how important he is i really feel that they're probably doing this just for the purpose of satisfying their fans and also kind of doing a fond farewell to uh, charlie watts but in my heart i really feel that this will be the last tour that the rolling stones will perform as the rolling stones i think if there's going to be any additional activity i think you'll see keith solo albums big solo albums ronnie wood 
but um, I don't know if there's going to be any more Rolling Stone projects down the road. And I think, there, you know, just last night I was thinking that it, Charlie's Charlie passing away really affected a lot of people because when Brian Jones passed away, a lot of us were either not born yet or too young to really affect us. But this is the first Rolling Stone experience of a, a stone passing away. And they've been like a, a family to us because they've been part of our, our, our lives for so long that it really affected a lot of people. Like there's always a, a comfort of knowing, you know, Charlie Watts is still the drummer of the Rolling Stones, even though he bowed out of doing the tour, but Charlie Watts will always be the Rolling Stones drummer. And now that Charlie's gone, I think it really put a lot of perspective on the fact that, you know, life changes things. And it's really sad that Char- Charlie's no longer with us. Well, and I, I guess just to underscore the, the way that the, the rest of the guys in the band felt about him, too, I think maybe one of the most poignant pieces uh, that, that we were talking about, uh, Lou, uh, was the one that Keith Richards posted uh, yesterday. And it's, it's a picture of Charlie's drum kit, and it just has a closed sign on it. It gave me uh, goosebumps and a tear to my eye. Yeah, no kidding. That that was yeah, a lump in my throat when I saw that, because that just yeah, said it all, right? Like, this yeah. is this guy is irreplaceable. He's gone, and that's it. You know, turn out the lights. Uh, Lou, always a pleasure. Great to have you back on the program. Uh, let's stay in touch and uh, stay well, okay? Yeah, you too, and thank you for having me on uh, your show. And, and as always, continue uh, doing a great job. I love your show, Bill. Thanks so much, Lou. Lou Molinaro, of course, member of the Hamilton Music Advisory Team, uh, an instructor at the Harris Institute for Music, and uh, a, a music legend uh, here in southern Ontario, uh, one of the great promoters of Canadian music for many, many years. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.